Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is John Tolbert. He is a lead analyst with Kupinger Coal, working for Kupinger Coal out of Seattle. Hi, John. Hi, Matthias. Great to have you again in an episode of this podcast. This is the first episode for 2021. We had a short break for this podcast, but while we were away, uh, some interesting or some frightening security incidents uh, were happening in the meantime. Uh, maybe let's start out with that, um, John. What was happening which really concerns us at a larger scale? Well, probably the, the biggest event that has happened in quite a while uh, is the solar winds incident. And it's been given a few different names, uh, you know, according to the malware. So Microsoft calls it SolarGate. FireEye discovered it. They call the malware Sunburst. Uh, this week, there was uh, a new discovery related to it called Sunspot. So they all kind of fit under the, the rubric of the, the solar winds attack, which was first uh, unearthed in the middle of December. But, you know, going back now, we know that uh, it looks like the, the threat actor involved uh, first accessed solar winds way back in September of 2019. And then a malicious version of the SolarWinds Orion management platform was delivered to up to 18,000 of their customers uh, from a bit roughly March to end of May or June of 2020. Uh, so there it, it sat without being discovered until uh, December of just this last year. Which, you know, I think it's interesting too. We see a lot of metrics in the cybersecurity business around mean time to discovery, you know, being at least about six months and sometimes longer. This definitely fits into that pattern. Uh, mean time to recovery uh, seems to take a couple of months minimum. So at this point on January 15th, we're about one month into that two plus month uh, containment and uh, phase. So good time to be talking about what we've learned so far, what it means and Preliminarily, what do we think uh, affected organizations can do about it? Right, exactly. I think as this is the first episode of what I expect a, a series of episodes around this issue. Maybe we just do what you just mentioned to start from where it originated. Um, I, I've read about a, a code repository which contained FTP passwords, which allowed for, for access to um, some of the more critical systems there as well. And... Um, As you said, who is affected? Why are they affected? Um, and what can organizations do? Is, is what I've read true, this, this FTP password um, issue being the root cause, or is there more to know? I think there's more to find out about that. Yeah, I've seen that too, that uh, like the GitHub repository had SolarWinds123 for a password, And they may have been alerted about that, um, you know, months before. Um, there's also, I've seen speculation that internal accounts at SolarWinds were for sale on the dark web prior to that. So, you know, what the origin of that was, uh, I don't think anybody knows at this point. 
But yeah, I think there are a number of things. Obviously, hard coding passwords is never a good idea. I, I believe guidance was given too um, to exempt directories uh, in which SolarWinds was installed from antivirus or anti-malware scans. So, I mean, that this kind of brings us right back around to the whole notion of trust uh, and why the IT supply chain uh, is at risk uh, and why we as customers of many of these kinds of products need to uh, insist upon better security from the IT supply chain members. Right. And you mentioned it rightly. This is an attack not towards an actual product, but an attack towards um, a provider of, of the, in the supply chain. So <clears throat> what is the, the kind of, of influence that, um, that could occur through exploiting this, this, this breach? What was the attack vector that they were using or what they are still using? Well, you know, the, the thing that was published this week that was interesting was Sunspot, the, the fact that it, there's malware that can sort of effectively control what gets loaded into an IT supplier's build uh, at compile time. You know, the Sunspot uh, component of this allowed the attackers to ensure that Uh, across the series of several builds that the malware was automatically included in SolarWinds Orion management platform. Um, that, that means that for those companies that downloaded that between, you know, March and June or so, uh, they, they probably wound up with that, that malware on their systems. What did it do? Well, with 18,000 uh, potential companies, I think it's hard to know upfront what all the impacts of that will be uh, beyond the ones that have uh, already acknowledged that, like SolarWinds, um, Microsoft, FireEye, Cisco Duo. Uh, there were a few companies that have talked about this uh, and, and what the impacts have been so far. Right, but in the end, we are talking about full access being possible by installing components um, under the hood of a trusted um, um, software management tool um, leading to the full range of potential threats, including lateral movement, um, exfiltration of data, and targeted espionage? Yes. I mean, one of the things that we have read a couple of different accounts of is uh, that additional accounts were added to, say, victims' active directories, which allowed the attacker to uh, be able to leverage uh, privileged administrative capacities within these organizations. They also added uh, certificates uh, to different services. I think in the case of the administrative offices of courts and DOJ in the U.S. Uh, this allowed them access to, uh, I, I think it was reported, 3% of their emails. So, yeah, it was. it's obviously an attempt at espionage uh, and, and some of the longer-lasting effects that victimized organizations will have to deal with are related to how their identity management systems were compromised with this addition of accounts. Uh, we also have read about how they use things like ADFS and SAML infrastructure to 
move around laterally within organizations. So that's another thing that uh, that victims and, and prospective vic victims will have to take a look at. Right. And uh, I understand that there always also was malware distributed, targeted malware, um, and that Microsoft has taken measures to at least control the the domain that was used as the as the CNC domain for this malware. Um, so at least from that perspective, already measures have been taken. I assume, of course, that SolarWinds have taken already the appropriate measures and and um, tried to clean up their systems. If organizations are now. Uh, in the situation that they are a customer of solar winds that they have been in the situation to be compromised what would be the first steps to take what what is really to do now uh, you're right I, i know microsoft solar winds all the companies that have spoken out about this publicly have already taken you know really good measures to help remediate that um, microsoft sinkhole the initial c2 domain uh, defender can detect it Uh, I, I would imagine at this point all the major anti-malware uh, solution providers can detect it, but it's mostly a case now of looking for, is there evidence that for those who did have the affected versions, were there other threat actions taken within their domains? So I, I've seen this broken up into three stages in the attack. Stage one is, you know, companies or organizations that downloaded it and it may have signaled initially to that domain, but no other evidence of anything else has happened. Uh, stage two is where there was more communication, C2 communication, and it switched to using different domains. So there are multiple indicators of compromise that can be used that you can pick up through Uh, threat intelligence sources uh, and search across your assets. Stage three is really the the best and and most complete, where you can find signs of other kinds of threat actor actions, such as data exfiltration uh, or manipulation, addition of accounts to Active Directory. You know, in some cases, they actually added federated to other outside domains so that they could authenticate or, or send a SAML token and get access to uh, victims' assets that way. So in that last case where you've got signs that, uh, you know, accounts that you're not really sure about have been added to AD or you've got weird-looking SAML tokens coming in or other signs of data exfiltration, then that's Those are the ones that are going to need to go the extra mile to remediate. I would say on the, the remediation side, well, first of all, you've got to detect it. Uh, there are uh, lots of IOCs available now. If you are have a SOAR platform, and I think it would be highly recommended at this point to be using SOAR, then you can load in uh, the IOCs and, and start doing some threat hunting across your enterprise. If you find that uh, things have progressed to stage three, then, you know, at that point, uh, obviously you've got to start by rebuilding your solar winds environment. And that applies to companies in stage one or stage two as well. And by this, I would mean, you know, from the ground up, from the OS level up, Uh, and then get rid of existing accounts 
that are pertaining to SolarWinds, uh, force multi-factor authentication for SolarWinds admin users, and then uh, place SolarWinds accounts under the care of PAN solutions, privileged access management. Uh, I think that that's an absolute necessity for anybody running SolarWinds, especially those uh, who have um, for sure been involved in a stage one or stage two incident. Beyond that, uh, for stage three, I think, you know, start with that rebuild for solar winds. But then in order to understand, you know, how much damage has, has been done, I think it's going to require a full IAM audit, you know, looking at your Active Directory, Azure Active Directory, uh, ADFS configurations, other infrastructure that might be capable of uh, forming SAML assertions. They're going to need to be investigated, um, and you know, for anything that you can't find a real purpose for, uh, it it will have to be removed. Then I think it would also be time to start a full access reconciliation. Uh, you know, looking at you know identity governance. If you've got uh, other accounts that may have been compromised, even for which you do have a valid business purpose, uh, you've got to see if they have been used as part of this attack. And then lastly, other standard APT kinds of incident response and mitigation plans uh, probably need to be executed uh, as soon as possible if they already have not been started. Right, but all that you've mentioned right now, either on the detection part, requiring actually some 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 dramatic, some massive um, cyber hygiene plus detective controls being in place and for those who where it has happened uh, no matter in which phase they are that you just mentioned it really requires a a strong set of of um of skilled security staff uh, internally or externally so this is a a must so really having the right people the right tools uh, the right knowledge and the experience in place so that's going to require a lot of work and a, a, a lot of, of money to spend and it will most probably come with disruption right yes i mean i i don't see a way around that especially if you are in an organization that has fallen into stage three where um there's good strong evidence that the many systems have been compromised there's really no choice other than to uh, do many of these remediations. I know like U.S. government agencies told people uh, essentially to build their active directory or some of their other identity management systems that may not be feasible for all organizations that may not have the, the labor power uh, to do that. Um, that's why I think it, at the very least, if you believe you're in, in that category uh, where you you have had Active Directory accounts added or maybe the SAML infrastructure compromised, it's probably good to start with getting a, a picture of, of what has already happened and trying to eliminate those accounts specifically that you, you don't have a use for. Now, that doesn't mean that if an attacker is still active, they couldn't be creating other accounts, you know, kind of in a, a whack-a-mole fashion. And I think that's really good reason why Uh, government agencies are recommending sort of a complete redo in some cases, but uh, at least trying to get a handle on on what you can find in terms of evidence, 
uh, and then remediating that as you go by eliminating those accounts, eliminating entitlements, and starting to protect the administrative users and service accounts with PAM and MFA uh, are, are good first steps. Okay, so basically for those that are involved in that breach, which are targets of that breach, this is really dire news. So there is lots of work to do. Um, maybe it's even um, the, the communication part to try to get in touch with those um, that are targets of that. Maybe not all of them actually do know that they are a target. So this will stay longer with us and we do not yet see the end of that tunnel that we are looking into. We're just um, in a, still at a very early phase and there might be more to come, more to hide behind that? Yeah, you know, I would say not just what you see in the news about it. I mean, there may be a tendency for some to say, well, you know, this was probably targeted at the U.S. government, so it doesn't really apply to me. You know, anybody that downloaded it, that, that sees signs of this C2 activity, you know, it, they could be... Uh, a target of opportunity. If the information or if the malware is still active, then who's operating it could see this as a way to steal intellectual property. You know, so just because there are some big name actors that obviously are maybe the primary target of this doesn't mean that if you've wound up with this on your system, you couldn't be a victim as well. So I think everyone really needs to take it seriously uh, due to the, the possibility of, of losing intellectual property or, you know, other follow-on effects of uh, malware infections. Okay. So thank you, John, for being my guest today for this very, very first breaking news edition of our podcast. And I think we will need to follow up um, after a, a few weeks to to look where we are then and if there is more to know, more to do for those who are affected by this this breach and by this this incident. Um, so again, thank you, John, for, for sh shedding some light on what has happened and uh, giving some, some concrete advice where to start, what to do, and which are the first right measures, uh, including finally maybe a, a complete rebuild of the AED. Yeah, it's certainly not a pleasant way to begin the year, and, but you know, people all around the world are working on discovering exactly what happened and how best to remediate this. So yeah, I think uh, findings will change, recommendations may change in the month or two ahead. Uh, this, this is big and it's going to take time for everyone to process it, understand it, and, and act on it. Well, that's, that's a perfect summary. So, so we, we leave it up to that here. Um, of course, there's lots of, to read about the topics that you've mentioned about MFA, about um, access governance, about SOAR tools. Um, if the audience is interested in that, just go to cookingacoal.com and download the uh, adequate reports. We will um, keep up with that topic and there should be more soon in this podcast, in our blog and in our publications. So thanks again, John. Thanks for taking the time and um, anything final from your side? No, we'll keep an eye on this and we will uh, reporting on what we uh, find that we feel is relevant. Perfect. So again, th thank you and bye-bye.